Welcome to That's Debatable, the best sports podcast on the internet. We, we are getting ready to cover week four of college football. I am Clint. I'm here with Mark. And uh, we're just got just a couple of games for you this week that we're going to try to go through quickly. And then we have a new segment for you. Um, right now, though, we're keeping an eye on a barn burner that we've got here going between the thundering herd of Marshall and Appalachian State. Um, if you didn't get the chance to watch this by the time you listen to our podcast, it is currently 3130 App State with 250 to go in the game. Um, so it, I don't know, Mark, what it is, but it seems like maybe a little more in the NFL, but it seems like there's been a ton of these like one point games. Like, I don't know what, if this is just the year of like the one point victory or what? Yeah, uh, especially in the NFL. I think I had two games in the NFL side of things that I picked that I was wrong on by one point. Uh, that would have been the Chiefs and Ravens and the uh, Giants and football team. Um, but yeah, tons of super close games. And I wonder if it's like um, like a post-COVID thing where, I don't know, maybe the skill gap just seems a little bit closer or maybe it's just getting back into the flow of things or or even just like having fans back um i think creates a whole new environment again it's odd like whatever it is and it might just be totally random i don't know but it just it's been very weird um i've got to think that it's driving like vegas nuts you know having that you know because a lot of times your spreads are something and a half you know and so you know, when you're getting uh, a, a spread of six and a half and then, you know, you got somebody scoring a touchdown and, and winning by seven or, you know, or whatever it is, or somebody's whatever it is on these on these games, where you have these even lines. And then I think the like the um, Washington football team and the Giants, I think, was an even line. Yeah. And that was a one point game. Um, some of them coming on made field goals, some of them coming on missed field goals. Uh, just uh, interesting. Anyway, uh, and we'll see. Well, this one, so folks, things are getting very interesting. Um, minute and a half to go, and it's first and goal at the five uh, for App State. Now, the reason I say that's getting interesting, obviously they have the lead and could maybe milk the clock. Um, and And this kind of goes to one of those philosophical coaching questions of, do you go ahead and score and kick an extra point and go up 38 to 30, but hand the ball back to Marshall with a minute left? I guess it's going to depend a little bit on how many timeouts they have. Or do you just sit on it and kick a field goal and then make them try to score a touchdown to beat you in, you know, 15 seconds? Um yeah, I mean, I think you I would probably. Eight, so that tells me they must have taken an E. I would. I mean, I get that, but I would think that you would want to score because anything can happen. Like Clyde, Clyde edwards Elair fumbling as the Chiefs were trying to milk the clock to kick a field goal with no time left. But I don't know because they scored touchdown. What's funny is they scored touchdown there and they covered the spread. I am guessing here. Yeah, and that's why if you if you bet app state to cover you are furious at this it is game over 31 30 they must not have had any timeouts because 
It said last play at the Marshall five team run for a loss of three to the Marshall. And now that's interesting team run. Are they tracking that stat differently now? Are they not counting a taking a knee as a quarterback, taking a three yard loss? I'm um, not sure actually. Cause that that's interesting. I've always thought it should be. I've also thought that spiking the ball shouldn't really count as an incompletion. Um, because you're already bending the rules anyway on a spike, like because by definition of a spike, you're inside the tackle box. There's no receiver in the area, and it's not crossing the line of scrimmage. So, like by definition, you would be getting a grounding penalty. <laughs> um, in any in, in any other circumstance, um, so you would think, you know, especially you have these situations where a quarterback completed like eight, nine, 10, 15 passes in a row, and then he has to clock the ball before a half or before the end of the you know first or second half, and now he's taking an, an incomplete pass and ruining his streak. I've literally seen that happen where it's like they're about to set like a, a school record or an NFL record or something, and then they got to spike the ball, and it's like, oh, there goes that record. But anyway, let's get into this week's games. This, this week's kind of an interesting one because so we picked five games that we're going to cover briefly here and only two of the five and I believe only two this week are between opponents that that both opponents are ranked. Yep. Um, and so we'll save both of those for the last two. We'll kind of go in order of um, bigness. I don't know if that's uh, the right the right word here. Um maybe national stage prominence, um, playoff importance. I don't know how you want to look at it. And that's somewhat subjective, I suppose, too. But uh, we're going to start, and my buddy's going to be happy with this. Josh, you better listen to to the podcast this week or you're going to miss us covering Kansas State. Uh, we haven't covered any of their games up to this point. Um, you know, they had a, a very big win in week one. They blew out. I mean, I think you could call it a blowout. Yeah, I would call it a blowout for sure. They beat they beat Stanford twenty four to seven uh, at a neutral site, um, which you kind of wondered. Then maybe Stanford isn't that good, or not to like downplay K State. In fact, I think I've mentioned at different points throughout our college football previews and recaps that K State is one of those teams that seems to rise to the occasion once, twice, sometimes three times in a season and beat a team that no one would have necessarily guessed. Um, and they can sometimes actually play up and down to their opponents uh, because they also seem to lose one or two games that they didn't really have any business losing. Um, in fact, we saw that um, we saw that last season with them. Um, and for my buddy Josh's sake and anyone else listening, we won't, we won't rehash that. Um, but I do think it was like Arkansas State or something. It was it was not good. But uh, anyway, they come out. They they handle Stamp- Stanford. In fact, in that game, uh, held Stanford to just two hundred and thirty three total yards, um, one hundred and ninety four of which uh, were on the ground. So just thirty nine yards rushing. And Stanford typically a you know pound the ball kind of a team. Um, so just a very strong first win. Then they opened up at home against the Salukis of Southern Illinois and actually kind of struggled against them um, before winning late. Now, 
one of the reasons for that uh, is they lost their starting quarterback to injury in that game, and their backup came in and did not play particularly well. Um, three for four, 96 yards, and an interception. Um, so, you know, if that's your leading passer in the game, that's that's going to be rough for you. Um, they actually trailed 23-21 to 21 going into halftime of that game. They did come out in the second half um, and outscore them 10 to nothing and win the game 31-23. But then last week, we kind of saw them bounce back again against Nevada, a game in which they were underdogs. Um, in fact, I think... Uh, Nevada was uh, so just barely, but still they were a home underdog. They were a home uh, one and a half point underdog to Nevada, and we've talked about this before. Home field usually gets you about a field goal's worth of points. Um, so that means at a neutral site, you're looking Nevada four and a half, so closer to a touchdown than a field goal. Um, and they won that game decisively, thirty-eight to seventeen. Um, and you, you just saw a much better performance overall. And so uh, that vaulted them at 3-0 and into the top 25. So they, they are rounding out the top 25. They're 25th this, month, or this week. Uh, but they come in and play Oklahoma State. Now, Oklahoma State also is coming in 3-0. and um, And so this is a Big Ten opener, or excuse me, Big 12 opener for both of these teams. Um, and another pretty narrow line here. So you've got... Um, Oklahoma State as a six-point favorite at home, um, though unranked. And I'm assuming I'm going to look. Yeah, they're, so Oklahoma State comes in undefeated, but you want to talk about razor-thin margins. So last week, here's another one of these one-pointers. They beat Boise State 21-20. to The week before, they beat Tulsa. 28 to 23 and i believe we actually called them out for only beating tulsa by five uh and then they opened the season with just a one touchdown 23 16 win over missouri state and so i think that's a big reason why you've not seen them uh as a heavy favorite in this and i think that's why you don't see them ranked um so I know we've not covered really either of these teams, but what kind of thoughts do you have on on this this game? Yeah, so I'm looking ahead a little bit for Kansas State, and they're in a little bit of a stretch. So they have Oklahoma State this week, and then they're going to be home against Oklahoma the week after, and then home again against Iowa State, and then they're going to go on the road and play Texas Tech, which is also another 3-0 program right now. Um, mm-hmm. So they've got a lot to play for in this game, and – you would have to think if if they play well in this game that it makes for an interesting matchup next week against the Sooners. So I think they're going to want to to come out and look sharp. They're going to want to look good. I actually think they've got a pretty good chance to win this game. And I'm looking back at Oklahoma State's performance against Boise State on the road and I know it's tough to play there on the blue field. Are you even, you know, are you are you tackling a player or the ground? They kind of just blend in. Uh, but they kind of have like a Michigan stat line here. Uh, their starting quarterback for the game, which I don't think he was the starting quarterback at the beginning of the season. Uh, Spencer Sanders was 6 of 13 for 82 yards, um, but on the ground, their leading rusher had 218 yards on 32 carries. So um, 
Yeah, it's this is an interesting uh, Oklahoma State team because, you, like, as you mentioned, they come in three zero uh, and favored by six, and they've only got one win by six or more. Um, so this is so this is another game where I feel like, you know, we saw this with uh, West Virginia and Vatech, right? Vatech came into the matchup ranked, but on the road, and West Virginia was favored to win that game and did, and. Uh, this, however, I feel like is going to probably play out differently. I'm going to take Kansas State to win this game. This, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I tend to agree that Kansas State has looked better against their opponents. And, you know, I mentioned early on talking about the Wildcats that they tend to get up big for big games and we've seen them in the last couple of years beat oklahoma beat iowa state beat um you know some of these other teams that were looking to win the big 12 and kind of play that role of spoiler uh for them and sometimes even games they've lost they've played uh very well you know where they they might lose by a touchdown or they're losing very late in the fourth quarter but they were, you know, a two to three score underdog in the game. And so, um, you know, you look at what they've done and Stanford, they came out and they, they kind of got up for that game. They went 24 to seven the next week. It's your home opener. You think you're probably going to just cruise through a cupcake game in Southern Illinois and they played down, but you know, to their credit, got the win. You know, and and we've talked about that a little bit with Oklahoma, um, and, and we've talked about how some teams um, will survive those games that they should have, you know, been double digit favorites Notre Dame and Toledo, Miami and Appalachian State, um, Oklahoma and Nebraska, Oklahoma and Tulane. Um, you, you know, you look at those and you say, well, you kind of played down to your opponent here, and you have to kind of consider, is it just that you're not that good and you played really well this other time? But with Kansas State, you see them bounce back again uh, last week with another 20, you know, or they won by 17 in week one, then won by 21 last week. And it makes that Southern Illinois kind of look like, I don't know if I'd call it a trap game, that they were necessarily looking ahead to Nevada but I think maybe a game where you just thought you were going to handle your business against an FCS school and instead you had to go out and earn it. Um, And so I think because of all of those things, I think they'll be up for this game. You know, they're ranked in the top 25, just barely. I think they're going to want to solidify themselves as a legit top 25 because obviously you lose this and you're right back out again. Um, Now, the danger is going to be to look past Oklahoma State to Oklahoma. But the reason I don't think that they'll do that is the Oklahoma game becomes significantly more important if you win the Oklahoma State game. If you lose this week, then like, yeah, you can still go out and beat Oklahoma and it'll still be like a big program win for you, but it doesn't have the same impact on your season as hosting them at four and oh and so i think their i think their team and i think their coaches will know that so i think because of that they're not going to overlook it um i'll take kansas state 
I'm going to say Kansas State in a close one here. Um, you know, give me the Wildcats like 24-21, something like that, maybe 24-20 um, is, is sort of where I see this one, this one playing out. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I'm with you there. We'll, we'll, I'll take the upset. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in this game. And, I, you know, for Josh's sake, too, you know, I kind of hope they win this one because I also think that will put more pressure on Oklahoma, who has not looked particularly great so far. I sure don't think they've looked like the number four team in the country with two struggling wins. And so the pressure for them is also going to ratchet up as they get into Big 12 play. Um, you know, and so we'll see what happens there. But um, a, a good one, I think. I think this is going to be a close game. Uh, but I, I see Kansas State getting about a four, four point, three, four point win in this one. Um, all right, that, let, let's take it to the next one. Let's stay in the Big 12, actually. I was going to go out to the Pac-12, but let's stay in the Big 12. West Virginia, Oklahoma, since we were just talking Oklahoma anyway. Um, Oklahoma comes into this, as I just said, having one dominant win, and it was over Western Carolina, I believe. Um, you know, that that juggernaut Power 5 West Western Carolina. No, like... And it's it's an FCS opponent. They beat them seventy six to zero. Um, you know, big big whoop. Honestly, um, your other two wins are forty to thirty five against Tulane, with Tulane having a chance to win that one with a couple minutes ago in the fourth quarter, and twenty three to sixteen against Nebraska. Um, both those at home, no less. Like, because uh, that's worth noting. It'd be one thing if you know they were at Nebraska. They still Nebraska is not good, and they should have beaten them by more than seven. I think they were a twenty-plus point favorite. But um, there's just there's no excuse for beating Nebraska by seven points at home. Beating Tulane, a game that wasn't actually supposed to be in Norman and got moved to Norman. So they had the benefit of a, an extra home game. They still win that one by five. So to me, it's a little bit head scratching to see them as a 17 point favorite um, over West Virginia. What, what do you see or what is Vegas maybe seeing that I'm not seeing the matchup predictor gives Oklahoma 90% chance of winning this. Yeah, and I think that yeah. they probably will win this game, and I don't think it'll be uh, 17 points. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and make my pick early and say Oklahoma wins the game, but but a lot closer than 17. Um, but I think what what's kind of confusing is because what's West Virginia's real identity? They opened up the season with a six-point loss to Maryland on the road, and then they beat Long Island, which, again, it's it's Long Island, but 66 to nothing, like, uh, that's impressive in of its own because you put 66 points up and you didn't allow any. And I look at that to be impressive no matter who you're playing. To, to These are still you know, better than average football players that you're playing against and you didn't let them score the entire game. And then uh, we talked about how they were home favorites against Virginia Tech and they won that game uh, by two field goals. So I don't know, I feel like maybe it's just a, a sense of not knowing what their identity is and I still think that uh, Oklahoma has the ability to put points on the board at will. Um, I feel like they kind of have an at will offense where even though you have a feeling that they've 
you know, been in games that they are closer than they should have been. Um, they still just put points up the board easily. Uh, and I think that's what's probably going to happen is um, I, I see this game playing out super close through three quarters. And then I think uh, Oklahoma shows you why they're in a separate tier than West Virginia in the fourth quarter. I'll take them by 10. All right. So I'll jot that down. So you've got Oklahoma not covering but a double digit win. Um, you know, I, I look at this and look at Spencer Rattler and, you know, that's a name we've heard about a ton, right? You know, Spencer Rattler this, Spencer Rattler that, and, you know, supposed to be the leader of this team and is. But in three games, uh, 761 yards. So you're talking about basically 250 yards a game, which is okay if you're the quarterback at Northwestern or Michigan State uh, or Iowa, you know, a team teams that are primarily run or more balanced teams. Um, Oklahoma is is supposed to be kind of an aired out team. I mean, that's kind of been their identity for a while. Yeah. You know, Baker Mayfield and, um, you know, and Ky- was it Kyler Murray? Or no, yeah, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And he had Jaylen both. Yeah. Transferred there. He did, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like, they've been an aired out school for a while. So, and this was supposed to be kind of the next in line to continue that tradition and 250 yards a game just to me is not great, especially considering the level of competition, Tulane, Nebraska, um, Western Carolina. So that worries me a little bit. I feel like that's underperforming a bit. Um, Seven touchdowns in three games is also not particularly, it's not a bad number like, again, this is where you have to be kind of careful looking at box scores, right? Like, if you look at a guy's stats on the season and they're completing 75% of his passes, essentially. I mean, he's 74 of 99. So if he completes his first pass of the game, we're only about 75%. 760 yards, seven touchdowns, only two interceptions. You look at that as a raw number and you say, man, well, like, what are you dogging this guy for? And it's because you have to zoom out in my opinion, and look at the quality of opponent. And, you know, the Western Carolina, that's probably a little different one because you're probably not playing that whole game. In fact, I would guess he probably didn't even play in the second half. Um, But he threw five of his seven touchdowns in that game. Um, You know, so you're talking only two touchdown passes against Tulane and Nebraska. Um, so I just haven't seen the quarterback play that I'd like to see from Oklahoma. I also think you have the Red River shootout game coming up. Um, now they have, they have two weeks to prepare for that. Um, I think, no, I'm sorry. We just talked about that. We have, they have Kansas state next week, uh, in Manhattan. And so I just, I don't know. I feel like. They have been kind of sleepwalking a little bit. They haven't played a road game yet. Um, and I I just could potentially see them sleeping on this one a little bit too long. So I'm going to 
I wasn't going to do this. I was actually going to be kind of similar to you and, and take them, but not covering. I'm going to go upset special on this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to take West Virginia. Um, and this is one that I'm not like super confident on. I'm kind of going out on a limb a little bit here. Um, but I'm going to take West Virginia to win in Norman um, with Oklahoma. I just have not been that convinced of it. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to roll with the Mountaineers this week. Um, maybe I can that's tell you how they play in this game will tell me what I'm going to pick for when they play K-State next week. Yeah, you're probably looking in some ways at some similar playing styles and things like that. Next week will be an interesting one because that will be their first real road game, potentially against a top 20 undefeated team that has beaten them in years past um, and kind of played that role of spoiler. So uh, that'll be an interesting one. Um, Josh, there you go. We're probably going to be talking, unless you guys, you know, wet the bed against... Oklahoma State, we're probably going to be previewing your game next Saturday as well. Um, All right, let's move on to the next one. UCLA and Stanford. Um, So I'll let you um, take the lead on this one. Um, You know, we've talked a lot about UCLA being kind of one of your underdog pigs. And uh, I I don't know if I want to say devastating loss last week because it was a close game, but... I guess maybe devastating from the standpoint of if you had uh, goals of going on and winning the Pac-12 and maybe trying to make a run at the college football playoff, that's pretty much over with now, at least the college football playoff. Um, so after you know, a heartbreaker there, um, what do you see? How do you see them coming out this week against Stanford, who's only loss has been to K State so far. Yeah. I think you got to come out and and show your true identity again. I think you got to get back to what you were doing good um which was running the ball and not with your quarterback. Um I think you've got to get back on track because like I said they're not out of the Pac-12 championship here. Um they're going to play right. Oregon here in a couple of weeks and there's, you know, if if they are going into that game undefeated you could probably make a case that if they win that game, they could have a shot at the top four at the end of the year. Um, but a lot of that really kind of depends on what happens with Ohio State down the road and how good that win looks for Oregon. Um, but both of these teams have played Fresno State, and it was close. One got a win, one got a loss. Fresno comes in this week ranked 22 in the country. Um, so they're a decent football football team, and, and they also play the spoiler role really, really well. Um, Stanford, it's been kind of back and forth. Uh, they had, a the, the, the embarrassing loss to K state and then a huge win over ranked USC at that time. And that number 14 next to USC is not really an indicator of what USC really is. Uh, and I think we go through this kind of year in and year out with USC, similar to like what we do with Texas. Like is this year that USC is back and they never are. Um, but then they come out and put up 41 over Vanderbilt, um, so they've looked good in their two wins, um, and we, we've already talked about K-State and like where we think they're at. Uh, so this is actually a good football game. When you're looking at the numbers, um, and it's, it's in Palo Alto, which is 
it's not a tough place to play, but it's hard to get wins there. I feel like even even as a Notre Dame fan, like Notre Dame has struggled getting wins at Palo Alto. You know, there's a there's a time change there, and that's not going to be an issue for UCLA. Um, but it's still a hard place to get to win to win. Um, but again, I think this comes down to UCLA getting their identity back, uh, running the ball dominantly, and uh, they're what four and a half favored to win. And I, I think they cover that. I'll take them to cover. All right. Um, so, oops, writing the wrong. Th- I'm writing your name instead of UCLA. There we go. UCLA to cover four and a half. All right. Yeah, I, I look at this game and it's interesting. Um, on paper, these teams are not particularly different. Um, UCLA averages about 10 points a game more, but if you... I, I think you could maybe argue that, uh, you know, the quality of opponent... Well, LSU, though, I don't know. That's a tough one. Um you know, LSU was ranked 16th at the time. Now they are not. So they have, you know, they win a win over LSU, a win over Hawaii, lost to Fresno State. They put up 37 in that game. So, I mean, they, they're scoring a lot of points. And obviously, that's how you win games, right? You score more points than your opponent. They're averaging 40 a game. Um, both of these teams are only allowing 25. UCLA 25.7, Stanford 25 even. Um, and so I think the defense that plays better in this game is going to be the team that wins. Um, and if you look at this, the things that UCLA does, Stanford, it, it's right about what they typically allow anyway. So, sure. for example, um, you know, uh, Stanford allows 210 yards per game on the ground, UCLA averages 190. Sure. So, you know, so it's kind of, it's sort of what they do anyway. So Stanford has kind of found ways to win two of their three games, you know, despite giving up those kind of yards. Um, You know, they limit passing to 172. Uh, UCLA averages 228, which is, you know, you're talking a 50-yard difference, which is a matter of two to three drives probably. Um, And so when I look at all of those kind of different things, um, the big one that stands out is, um, you know, UCLA just allowing 63 yards a game on the ground. That's, that's impressive. Um, I don't care who you are, uh, especially in this day and age of running back by committee, mobile quarterbacks, RPOs, all that kind of different things that you have to guard against on the ground to be holding teams to 63 yards uh, per game is impressive. That said, Stanford rushes for 128. So they're not exactly a big rushing team at 128 yards a game. They're a little more of a passing. They're not a big yardage team. They're like, keep the game close and try to win that way. Um so this is kind of a tough one for me. Um, you know, I would kind of like to roll with UCLA, but I'm going to stay on my trend here, um, and I'm going to pick the third upset of the day, uh, and I'm going to take Stanford at home uh, over UCLA. And then this is another one that I think um, 
you know, these teams both average a lot of points, but they don't allow a lot of points. So I'm thinking this is probably a 30 to 24, 30 to 27 type game. But I'm going to go with the Cardinal here um, in an upset. And I'm I'm three for three on picking the upset. So well, why not do work it out Really good for you or really bad? It is. Um, and, you know, as, as a spoiler alert, there's going to be at least one more upset I'm going to be picking this week. So... Um, we'll, uh, we'll see how that goes. So I'm going to be picking four out of the five. I'm going to be picking the underdog and that's, that's all right. It makes it for an exciting week when that happens. All right. Our next game, Texas A&M and Arkansas, Texas A&M comes in, uh, as a four and a half point favorite. They're ranked seventh in the country. And this is a team that has made a lot of clamor. Um, and you could maybe, I, Depending on how you feel about Texas A&M, you might feel like they're justified in it, or you might feel like they're being kind of whiny babies. They clamored and whined that they didn't get into the college football playoff. Then they were getting beat by North Carolina in their bowl game, and then they finally handled their business there in the fourth and rattled off, I think, 21 points in a row or something to to handle that game. But, um, you know, I didn't know that their resume was really that much better than than Notre Dame's, but it doesn't matter. That was last season. This is this season, but they're starting off undefeated again. They've won several games in a row dating back to last season. Um, But they come in, they got to go on the road and win. And we have seen another team from Texas who seemed very boisterous about how good they were go into... Uh, Fayetteville and walk out with their longhorn tail between their legs, um, which, in fairness, cow tails kind of just fall down between your legs anyway. But <laughs> so it's maybe a mixed metaphor. But you understand what I'm saying. They got the pants beat off of them, and uh, you know Arkansas even trolled them with a "Yeah, we're looking forward to having you in the SEC." You know, kind of a conversation. Um, so this one, uh, Texas A&M, four and a half point favorites. Uh, I I think um, Texas A&M is going to come into Fayetteville here, and this is going to be the one game this week that I pick the favorite to win. Um, and I'll pick them to cover as well. Um, now, the matchup predictor is has this pretty close. ESPN's matchup predictor has 57% chance for the Aggies, 43% chance uh, for the Razorbacks. Um, you know, both of these quarterbacks have similar numbers. Both of the running backs have similar numbers. So on paper, it is fairly evenly matched. I mean, you see Texas A&M, 458 yards, four touchdowns, two picks. Um, Jefferson for Arkansas, 632 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions. Um Smith, 216 yards, three touchdowns. Spiller, 250 yards, one touchdown. So you're seeing a lot of very similar stats here uh, between these two teams. So I, I think this is going to be a good game. Um, the over-under set at 47, so they're expecting a marginal scoring here uh, if in a close game if you're talking about, um, you know, a four- yeah, four and a half point spread here. So you're talking about a field goal to a touchdown somewhere in there. 47 points means you're looking at a 24 20 or a 27 23 ish um, 
type of that'd be 50 points but you know what i'm saying um but i'm gonna go with the aggies to win their 10th in a row here um i do think this team is playing with a bit of a chip on their shoulder um you could argue that their wins aren't you know anything too impressive um 34 nothing against new mexico 41 10 against kent state um and their only road game was a neutral site game so not even a true road game granted it was in it was against colorado in colorado at mile high rather than at folsom field in boulder um but they eked that one out in the final like two and a half three minutes of that game they scored the go-ahead touchdown they trailed seven to three most of the game um so i'll take them to win this because i do think they're going to come in amped up and ready to play um i do think they're playing with a little bit of chip on their shoulder um but to steal a phrase that that you've used a lot this weekend and previous weeks i think we find out a little bit more about who texas a&m is if they come in and dominate this game rank seventh then you're they're going to start putting some pressure on the college football uh committee sure now the issue that you're going to have you know if you were to vault them up to let's say you were to vault them up to four i don't think they would well if if what i say happens and oklahoma loses um then Iowa, I guess, probably would slide up to four. But let's say Texas A&M, you know, jumps up to four here. You're talking about three SEC teams in the playoff. Now, obviously, that can't last for the entirety because somebody's got to lose here down the road and somebody's got to play in the SEC championship. But, man, I'll tell you this much. Fans of every other conference in college football are not going to like a um, – a three team in the top four sec um playoff standings but we'll cross that bridge if and if and when we when we get there but i'm going to take the aggies here and i'm going to take them to cover I'll, I'll actually take them with a double digit win uh over arkansas that's great that you know this week we couldn't be more opposite because we've been kind of on the same page with a lot of our picks and discussions lately um so I happen to think that this is going to go quite differently. And this is only the second major SEC game that we've covered this season. Um, and, I, and I'd like to note that uh, we didn't fully, I don't think we fully went over how we did in our picks and spread last week for college football. Um, but I had picked oh, um, the, the Gators to keep it close with Alabama. And although it didn't look that way early on, that's exactly how it ended. In fact, there was a chance there at the end of the game that uh, Florida could have tied it. Um, and I've got similar thoughts about this one, except for the fact that I think Arkansas is going to come and win this game. And uh, I know they're the, they're the home team. They're four-and-a-half-point dogs. Um, they're probably not as good as Texas A&M talent-wise, but I think that they're going to have the better game plan. I haven't seen anything that's overly convincing for the Aggies. Um, again, especially in that game against the Buffs, uh, I was not at all impressed. In fact, Colorado basically just handed them the win in that game uh, because I think anybody else in the country can probably close that one out and send them home with their loss. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Razorbacks to win this one and I'm going to take them by a field goal as time expires. Oh man, we got a real down to the wire prediction here. I like that field goal. 
as time expires. Um, now, are you taking them by a field goal? So, like, it's 24-24 and they win at 27-24? Or are you thinking, like, it's... I'm taking them by a point. Okay, by one. So you're thinking it's... I think they'll be down by a safety and they kick the field goal to win by one. Okay, all right. I'm trying to think of how that might play out score-wise. Huh. All right. I like it. I like it. And I would be thrilled if that happened. I would love to see Texas. A- I, so is your feeling on this that Texas A&M is ranked seventh by virtue of carryover from last season and the conference in which they play? Definitely. I mean, uh, them and many other teams ranked in the top 15 right now. Okay. Um. Yeah, I mean... Definitely SEC love here. Um, here's the here's the kicker because these are two SEC teams. You know, if Arkansas wins this, they go on to four zero. They're currently sixteenth. I can all but guarantee you they'll be in the top ten. Sure. Um, maybe like even the top eight, um, which is just crazy. And if Texas A and M wins this, they're going to make probably. Let me look who's ahead of them. I mean, you've got Alabama, Georgia, Oregon, Oklahoma, Iowa, Penn State. I don't know that any of those teams lose. So you'd have to put them ahead of, like, Penn State or Iowa or both, I guess. Surely you wouldn't jump them all the way to four. Um, That's maybe the only thing that would hurt them in terms of trying to move up from a win like this is, you know, who do you put them ahead of? Um I mean, I'm sure you would put them ahead of Iowa, but um, yeah, that's that'll be an interesting thing to to follow if that happens. So we'll keep an eye on that. I think that's going to be one of the better games. I think we do. I think the games we picked will be you know pretty good. That's why we picked them, obviously. Um, and so that brings us to uh, the college game day game of the week, and certainly our game of the week is Notre Dame fans. This one's been. Uh, circled on the calendar for the better part of about five years, uh, if I recall, is when they announced this four or five years ago. Uh, yeah. We didn't get this game at Lambeau last year, thanks to the Rona. Um, but my understanding is they're gonna they're they're gonna try to make that up though. Um, I think so, yep. Which I, I hope is the case. We also are gonna see the return of the Shamrock series for Notre Dame. So I'm curious if that will mean Shamrock series jerseys. I've not seen any um, for this game. Which is kind of the point. So yeah, they are wearing different jerseys. They're wearing alternate jerseys this week. Okay. Maybe I just hadn't seen. I'm kind of looking it up right now. Oh, they're, yeah. They're not I like did totally see this. different. They're really not much of anything, though. Yeah. I mean, they've got a gold stripe on the sleeve. Yeah. I mean, is that really. Yeah, it's not yeah. crazy different, but it is technically an alternate jersey. Some kind of weird typing on the on the pants. It looks like that looks. It looks like yeah, ropes tied around their legs. Those are kind of weird. I'm not digging those. Yeah, they're not. not uh, they're yeah, not any I'm of the better. I'm a fan ones. of the Shamrocks, but I feel like somebody somebody must have found out they were losing their jobs. They're like, fine, here's your stupid Shamrock series jerseys. <laughs> they're like, these could be every week jerseys. Come on. This is terrible. 
Oh, they got a little stripe down the leg, too, it looks like. Yeah. Oh, that is weak sauce. Yeah, they're not overly that impressive. Weak. That's weak sauce. If you're a casual college football fan, you might not know they're even wearing anything different. True. Man, that is disappointing. Well, we'll see what they roll out next year. Yeah, to Come be, on, to be fair, though, like it is an 11 a.m. Central kickoff. So I'm not, I'm not too excited about that part of it either. No, that's ridiculous. And uh, thanks, Fox Sports. Like, does Fox Sports not realize that you don't put big games at noon? You put big games in the afternoon or in the evening in prime time. Like, I just, I don't understand what the. Especially because there's a huge storyline here, right? Like not only is it Notre Dame and Wisconsin, and this is two teams that you don't see play each other often. You get a neutral site matchup at Soldier Field, which you don't see ever. Um, And you've got, Jack Cohn starting against his former team and his replacement, Graham Mertz. So like, and it like you're talking about for Notre Dame, definitely their college football playoff is going to be put on the line this week. Like this, this game will determine whether or not they'll have a shot at the end of the year. Now they've got to win other games going forward, but you got to win this one first. Yeah. And it's, this is a big game for Wisconsin as well, because if you lose this, you're one and two. And then you have Michigan coming to town next week that is likely going to be undefeated and who you who hasn't won a game in your building in 20 years and is going to be out for blood, you, you know, because like I've said before on this podcast, if you know something and I know something, I'm sure a lot of other people know it. And if you know and I know looking down Michigan's schedule and with the struggles we've seen from Ohio State, and I don't know how serious this injury is to their quarterback or whatever, I don't think it'll matter against Akron this week, but it may matter when you get into Big Ten play. Hmm. All of a sudden, there's some vulnerability you know, and an opportunity if you're Michigan. And so for Wisconsin, this is big. Like you need to, You need to win this to have a winning record with Michigan coming to town and feeling like you can beat a big team because the only team, um, the only ranked team you've played so far was Penn State and you played them well, but you took the L. And so your only win is against Eastern Michigan. I didn't mean for all that to just rhyme, but it did. Um, And and also you've got to think about the fact that because they're in the Big Ten West, their only real competition for the Big Ten championship spot is going to be Iowa. So, you know, I think that this game against Notre Dame next week against Michigan is their benchmark on how they match up in in that game. Yeah, and by the time they play Iowa, and it is in Camp Randall, so that's helpful for them, but by the time they play them, man, it might be irrelevant. Yeah, it Uh, could be. So this is a watermark game, and the first of – a few for Wisconsin because if they lose this, they're out of the top 25, like absolutely. And without question, Um, we've seen Notre Dame fall in the, in the polls, even after wins. Um, And so our, our pollsters aren't feeling the vibe of the Irish so much this year Um, that, and in fairness, the teams ahead of them uh, for the most part have all played better than them, except you could maybe make an argument for Texas A&M. Um, but 
you know, if you're Wisconsin, man, I mean, after this week, you have Illinois, so you, you can grab a win there. You have Army at home. You can grab a win there. Got to go on the road to Purdue. That one could be an interesting one. Then you go on the road to Rutgers. You got to be able to win that. Northwestern, you got to be able to win that. Um, you know, so after this Michigan game, like if they get through these next two weeks are the two biggest um, on their schedule until the 30th when Iowa comes to town. If they could survive and win those three games, then all of a sudden, you know, you're four and one and your only loss is to Penn State. Now that's a very different conversation. Yeah. And now you've also, you know, like like you just said, played yourself back into the Big Ten championship game. And I think depending on how Penn State goes the rest of this season, if you're Wisconsin, you could argue that this game as much as losing this game knocks Notre Dame out of the college football playoff, I think I think if Wisconsin loses, they're definitely out. But I think they see this tiny sliver of hope that if they win out, they can still make it. Yeah. Particularly because that's going to mean probably either a rematch. Penn State's East, right? They've got – I can't keep track of where they put everybody East and West – Penn State's Big Ten East, right? Yeah, they are. I mean, I know they're geographically located there, but that doesn't seem to matter with anything anymore. I mean, I think for the for big, the Big Ten, the Big mostly. East was a conference. San Diego State was in it, and they're yeah. literally on the West Coast, so I never know who's who's anywhere anymore. But that that makes sense. But I just wanted to verify. Um, so you're looking at maybe a matchup, a rematch with them if they were to win the East, um, a rematch with Michigan. Um, you know, a game against Ohio State, uh, something like that, just depending on how everything plays out. But if Michigan stays on a positive trajectory, um, aside from this one, you know, and that's a rematch, then, again, you're talking about possibly sneaking into that number four spot. Maybe I don't think there's any way Wisconsin gets in unless it's by winning out, winning the Big Ten, and getting the fourth spot. But if you're Wisconsin, that means the door is still slightly open. And so for both of these teams... Whoever loses this week can pack it up and and go home um, in terms of the making the playoff. Yeah. And Notre I, Dame I think, doesn't have room for error, and Wisconsin has had an error, but they don't have any more room for error. And yeah. so, yeah, it's a make-or-break game, I think. Wisconsin's favored. Um, this is a great neutral site game because even neutral site games are typically closer to one team or the other, right? You know, you look at K-State and Stanford played in Dallas. That's still, that's a little closer to Manhattan, Kansas than it is Palo Alto, California. Um, you know, you, and you look at some of these other neutral site games. Um, and this one is interesting because... This is about the same distance for both of these schools. It's about an hour and a half to two hours, you know, depending on your traffic and how you know how quick you get there. But um, this is about as central as a neutral site game can be. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of red there. Um, I think you're going to hopefully hear Notre Dame fans that are sometimes hard to spot because half of them are in green and half of them are in blue and half of them are in gold. That's three halves. I know that doesn't make sense, but you don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> um, so Notre Dame fans typically travel fairly well. Uh, so I think this will be actually a, a really good game. And I think there's a reason that even though Fox has the game, ESPN is going there for it to be game of the week. So 
what do you see happening in this game? That's that's really we can talk all about how important it is down the road and what happens if each team wins or loses, but let's talk about the actual game. Who wins and who loses this game? Yeah, so you talked a little bit about how Wisconsin can see the door is still slightly cracked open for them to sneak into that number four spot if they win out, win this game, win the Big Ten Championship. And I think that's dangerous. I feel like sometimes that's more dangerous than the team that sees the door wide open um, because of what you've got to play for and knowing that it's that it's make or break. It's kind of like what we talked about in picking a couple of the games earlier uh, in this in this episode. Um, is who's got more to play for. And I would, I honestly hate to think that Wisconsin has more to play for in this game because as a Notre Dame fan, I want Notre Dame to have more to play for in this game. It just doesn't feel that way to me. Um, and I've been concerned so much about our offensive line, and we know that Wisconsin has a tough defense. Now, when I was looking at the numbers um, earlier today in preparation for this, we're Notre Dame's offense is a little more efficient, uh, even with the struggles at the offensive line position. Um, but their numbers are kind of very similar. Like I said, us being a little bit more efficient in this one. Um, the big question is whose defense is better. And I think that Wisconsin's defense is better. Um, but Notre Dame's defense took a lot of strides forward uh, against Purdue. And I think that per- Purdue's quarterback, Jack Plummer, is probably a little bit better than Graham Mertz. We haven't seen Graham Mertz be overly impressive. I know that they really like him in Wisconsin and that they were pretty sold on him replacing Jack Cohn. Uh, and I don't know if they would still feel the same way. Uh, that'd be, I'd be curious to hear Wisconsin's fans take on whether or not they would want to invite Jack Cohn back in the starting position or not. Um, hmm. So that's that's one thing where I where I'm looking at the statistics and I'm looking at the numbers and on paper this is a super close football game. But it's some of the intangible things like having that door slightly cracked open versus wide open and, and feeling like, you know, you're just cruising along and and Notre Dame does that on on a regular week against not great Big 10 opponents. Um so this is concerning, and we not only this like we we've talked about Notre Dame and, and ranked matchups in general, or uh, you know, and winning the big game, and you've got a feeling like okay, so we've got Cincinnati next week, and they're a top ten ranked opponent, but they don't feel as tough as Wisconsin. It doesn't feel as important as winning this one, um, which concerns me. Uh, it concerns me for how Brian Kelly's looking at this game, how Tommy Rees is looking at this game and how Marcus Freeman is looking at this game. And the players are the ones that got to go out and play it, but those three people are the ones that are in control of this matchup. And I haven't seen a dominant enough scheme out of any of them. And I've been kind of critical of Brian Kelly in the past about being uh, too hands-on and not letting his coordinators do their job. And then I feel like the last last year, and, and so far this year, I feel like he's been pretty... Uh, pretty well in the background and he's let Tommy Reese take control. He's trusted his decisions and his opinion. Um, And same with Marcus Freeman, who is, you know, the first year um, defensive coordinator. And that's something that Notre Dame's kind of had pride on in the past is strong defense, a good defense coordinator, really good scheme. And I've never seen Notre Dame with a bend don't break style of defense like we've seen this year. Um, And so those are some of the concerns for me 
when I'm looking at the matchup. Uh, as far as my pick, I find this game incredibly hard to pick non-biased uh, because mm-hmm. I, I know what my heart says, but my brain says Wisconsin wins this game but doesn't cover. So you've got a very tight one then because it- – well, I guess it's a it's a touchdown. So you're you're seeing this probably as a field goal to four point game. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I I applaud you for uh, you know I've I've been critical of you having some emerald glasses on when evaluating Notre Dame a little bit. So I uh, I applaud you for for going with uh, head over heart on this one. Um, so my my themes have been similar of how important are games. But I I think you you may be selling Notre Dame short a little bit. So we're going to we're going to kind of flip-flop I guess this week. Um I think if you're Notre Dame, if you're Brian Kelly, if you're Jack Cohn, if you're Kyron Williams, you know that every week is a big week at Notre Dame. Because as we've talked about on this show before, you get the best from every team you play. National Spotlight, um, you know, if you're Toledo, how often are you playing in front of a national audience? Now, granted, a smaller national audience on the Peacock debacle, but whatever. Um you know, even even Purdue is getting more viewership playing Notre Dame um, than they would on, say, the Big Ten Network. So you get the best of everyone because this is your recruiting tool, but it's other schools' recruiting tool. Hey, you come you come and play at our school. This is what we do. We play on nationally televised games against some of the top teams in the country. Um, and so every game is important at Notre Dame. And I think the margin for error, like Notre Dame has to know that there is no margin for error. You know, you look up and down their schedule and there's no room for error. Like you lose this game, you're out of the playoff. Like we've already talked about. If you win this game, guess who's coming to town off of a bye week? Cincinnati. Like you lose that game, you're out of the playoff. You lose to Virginia Tech. You lose to USC, North Carolina, Navy. Like, there's no team on here that they have scheduled that you're going to get a pass if you lose that game. The closest, I would say, would be Cincinnati. But Cincinnati hasn't looked dominant enough. Like, this isn't a, um, you know, for one thing, none of these schools are, are SEC schools. So you don't get the benefit of a close SEC loss. Um so if you're Notre Dame, I don't think you're looking past this at Cincinnati. Um, this is a big game. This is a huge game for your quarterback. And I will tell you this right now. I am not the only person who has not been fully bought in on Jack Cohn. So he has to know that. Obviously, his own former school wasn't bought in on it. So you've got to believe that this is a massive game for him. You know, coming in and saying, okay, you want to... You wanted Graham Mertz? Great. Um, just so you know, I've thrown for 500 more yards and eight more touchdowns. Oh, by the way, I only have eight touchdowns. Your quarterback hasn't thrown one in two games. 
Um, you know, 326 yards in two games. Uh, you're talking 163 yards a game. That's terrible. Um, that's this is why. So Mertz is why it's been hard for me to buy into Jack Cohn. Like that. That has kind of been my point. Is how could he not regain his starting spot over that guy? Um, and so I think for him coming into this game, this is a big game for him. Um, I think he's going to need to put up the type of numbers he put up against Florida State. Uh, for one, because Wisconsin's run defense is incredible. Uh, it's going to be one of the tougher front lines that Notre Dame faces all season. Um, I think Tommy Reese is going to need to be creative and how he gets Kyron Williams involved in the offense, because if it's just running him between the tackles, you will not win this game. Like it, it's not going to happen. You're not run at, you haven't been able to run at anyone. You're definitely not going to be able to just snap your fingers and run against the Badgers. So you're going to have to be creative. You're going to have to scheme. And I do understand some of your concerns of like, I haven't seen the creative stuff. And maybe I'm hoping, wishing, praying that maybe we've got some of those things up our sleeve and we've just been kind of holding them for some of these tougher opponents like Wisconsin, like Cincinnati, and felt like we could win games like Purdue and like Toledo and even to some extent Florida State without showing those. Yeah. Um Like, that's where I'm sort of just maybe I've got the emerald glasses on and I'm crossing my fingers that that's been some of the plan that, look, we've got our first three games are all winnable games, which they were and which they did. Um, And so I'm not going to tip my hand. I'm just going to, you know, this is what we're going to do. And I hope to see that. I would really like to see. Um, Kyron Williams, man, I don't, and I don't know what it looks like. Maybe in a wildcat type of thing. Maybe in, you know, maybe Jack Cohn can run some RBOs, and you just haven't wanted to tip your hand on that. I, I don't know. I mean, they have not done that with him at all, so I, I don't think that's probably the case. Um, but I don't know. Maybe you run some reverses. Maybe you run some trick plays. That they did run a flea flicker like in the very first drive, I think, against Florida State in Week One. Um, so they do have some of those you know tricks up their sleeve i think you're gonna have to be creative against wisconsin you're not going to be able to just run it down their throat so i think they're going to need a big game from jack home but this is a good time for him to to establish himself like i i say establish himself i know you would say he already has um so i want to be fair in that but i just mean leave no doubt in anyone's mind from either school here like that he's the guy that Wisconsin screwed the pooch on this and let, you know, let him go and settled for a guy who's not as good. Um, and so I think this is big. I, you know, this is a big win. If Brian Kelly wins this game, uh, he becomes the all time wins leader in Notre Dame history. So it's big in that regard. Um, you know, obviously next, next week, his old team coming back. And I think these next, five games are all going to be big for Notre Dame because we haven't talked about it this, this time. I think we talked about it on the Michigan podcast, but I've never seen anything like that where a team has, will have to play five games in a row on against a team coming off rest. It just is mind boggling. Um, 
And so for Notre Dame, like this is the gauntlet. This is what you really want, though, because this is what tests your medal of are you real or not. And so I'm going to pick the Irish with the upset, and I'm going to mostly stay on my upset train. And I don't think this is that much of an upset. I think these teams are pretty pretty evenly matched, and I think it's going to come down to probably probably which team can throw the ball better. Mm. And I think that tips towards Notre Dame in this game. But I think you've got to help your quarterback out by either running some short passes, um, you know, some swing passes, some screens. I, I'd love to see Kyron Williams get involved in some screen games. We've not really seen that from him, and that is where I think he could be super dangerous is just get him out in open space, um, you know, get the defense moving laterally on that defensive line instead of right at your quarterback. Um this is going to be an interesting one. I'll take Notre Dame 27-20. So I'm going to go with them actually flipping the script here. And I'm kind of flipping my own script. And instead of being a touchdown underdog, I'm going to have them buy a touchdown 27-20. Um, now, like just because I picked Wisconsin to win this game, for the listeners at home, don't get it confused as if I'm going to be not cheering for the Irish to win this game big and flip the script. I would much rather be wrong about my pick and come on this podcast and and have a, a, a negative mark against me for this pick than for us to actually lose this game. So just, just to set the record straight, it's, it's go Irish all day. Uh, yeah, that's how I am about the Texas A&M game. Um, like when you said Arkansas by a point, like, yes, please. Um, I would love that. Um but uh, anyway, all right. So th- those are our picks for this week. So to recap, uh, we both like Kansas State and an upset of Oklahoma State uh, on the road. Uh, Mark likes Oklahoma uh, not to cover their 17-point uh, spread, but he does like them by 10. I've got the upset special there as well with the Mountaineers winning in Norman. Um Mark likes UCLA, and he likes them to cover their four-and-a-half-point spread. I'll take Stanford at home uh, in the upset as well. Uh, Mark likes Arkansas in the upset by one point uh, on a field goal as time expired. Did I get that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I've got A&M by 10-plus here. Um, and, then, uh, and then Mark going uh, against his fandom – uh, and picking Wisconsin, but by fewer than six and a half, I've got Notre Dame by a touchdown. Um, looking forward to this week. Now, we want to introduce a new segment. We're almost done here. We've gone a little long for no more than the five games that we've been predicting, but we did cover some other topics as well. But um, we have a new segment here, um, and it's our surprise upset. Um, and this is a Mark and I are each just going to pick one team that we think pulls out an upset this week that maybe nobody saw coming or that we, I I guess, yeah, nobody saw coming, hence the surprise. Um, So, Mark, you've had some time to think about this. Um, I think you actually picked yours quicker than I did. Uh, Who do you got this week for your upset special? Yeah, so when you introduced this to me, I kind of scrolled up and down the list here on, on ESPN to look at what games are on this week? What's the lines? What, who's ranked? Who's not ranked? 
And um, I settled on this game. Now, you know, you said that it's probably not one that people saw coming. I don't know if you could say that necessarily for sure about this game. I, f- I think you would you would probably expect when you hear the name LSU that they are typically going to be favored to win. Um, and they are. They are favored to win this game against Mississippi State, but only by two and a half. So less than a field goal. Um, but even when you get on ESPN and you look at the matchup, the matchup predictor has uh, Mississippi State favored to win by, uh, or, or expected to win by 56%. Um, so I know that it probably, in, in this year, you know, you, you've, you, LSU's got the loss to UCLA, uh, and I picked that game. I picked UCLA to win that one. Uh, but UC, LSU is still, in my mind, a, a tough top-tier SEC program. They've got a really good football coach in Ed Orgeron. Um, they are expected to win this game by two and a half, and I'm going to take Mississippi State on the upset at home. All right, the Bulldogs, Mississippi State over LSU. I'm going to, and this is a fitting week for me to do this. Um, I am. I'm going to go out a little further on a limb here. Um, so yours is a battle of unranked opponents. It doesn't make it not an upset, but it is a um, a battle of unranked opponents. I, I was hoping you were going to take Colorado over Arizona State. I was gonna. Well, I like I really wanted to, but we like we had talked about is is who's who's going to be on the field um, for that for game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If it's the team that um, played Texas A and M, good chance that they win that. If it's the team that played Minnesota. A uh, good chance Arizona like triples the spread of fourteen. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go to a ranked game this week, and I'm gonna go to a team who has not impressed me at all. Um, and they have to go on the road for their first conference matchup, and um, matchup predictor uh, gives the team I'm about to pick. Just a 31.7% chance of winning this game. But the one thing that stands out to me is how much this team has struggled. And that is the Clemson Tigers. Um, you know, obviously we saw the loss to Georgia. And you know, he sort of gave him some benefit of the doubt there because Georgia's looked pretty good. Then you saw him bounce back and, you know, kind of beat the snot out of South Carolina State. Woohoo, 49 to 3. But then last week, now, last week's game was a weird one. You had the long delay, but even before the delay, this was a closer game than it ever should have been. Uh, Clemson came into the Georgia Tech game as a 27.5 point favorite. The over-under on this game was 53 points. <laughs> the final was 14-8. to eight. Um, Georgia Tech has just one win, a 45-17 um, to 17 win against Kennesaw State. Uh, they lost to Northern Illinois, and then they lost to Clemson. So I'm not bought in on the Tigers right now. And it's a little disappointing because 
I, I kind of expected DJ to be a little better at quarterback after what we saw from him at Notre Dame last year. But Clemson just has not been it like they just have not been able to run the football. They've not been able to score the football. I mean, if you take out this South Carolina, if you take out the, an FCS opponent in which they scored 49, they've scored 17 points. Yikes. You know, um, and just two touchdowns in the two other games. Mm. So I'm going to take the 31.7% odds or whatever from the matchup predictor, and I'm going to go with North Carolina State um, at home to knock off number nine Clemson. Mm. Uh, Clemson is a 10-point favorite. Um, I'll, I'll take an upset and I'm going to take, uh, a one point victory there as well. That's been the other theme of this season. So why not? <laughs> um, you know, I'll take them. Let's see. How do, what do I see this? 24 to 23. I almost went 21, 20, but I think there's gonna be some field goals in this game. So I'm going to say 24, 23 North Carolina State uh pulling off the upset at home. Um wow. So those are our upset special picks. Um those are kind of just for fun. I mean the podcast is just for fun. We're not getting paid or, you know, anything like that. But those are our um just reach for the stars ones. So Mark with Mississippi State over LSU, I will take North Carolina State over Clemson. That's all we have for college football preview week four. Um, stay tuned. Um, you'll we'll be dropping our next episode shortly as well, which is going to be our NFL week three preview. Uh, and then here in just a couple of days, obviously, as normal, we'll have um, our reactions and recap from uh, week four of college football. Hopefully, Mark and I will both just be elated with the recap and a Notre Dame win. Um, if we seem very depressed at the broadcast, you'll know uh, why that is. But uh, anyway, we'll look forward to hearing from you again. Check us out on Facebook that we we drop some questions and um, you know some silly memes and things like that on there. But we're, we we want to try to interact with you a little bit, and social media is our best way to do that. So we are on Facebook uh, at facebook.com slash td podcast 2021 we are also on twitter um and you can find us at td podcast 2021 on twitter as well uh we'd love to interact with you there if you have comments thoughts feedback positive or negative for the broadcast we would love to hear it you can email us um at td podcast 21 at gmail.com you can message us through twitter or um facebook messenger again we want to hear from you we want to interact with you tell us what you think about our takes if they're hot ice cold way out in left field spot on whatever it is uh we want to hear from you until then you'll hear from us again shortly as we preview the nfl uh, we'll look forward to watching some good football this weekend have a good one